Amen? But the message we're going to go with here this morning is the best fall, the best get up. Now, what I want you to understand, I'm not talking we have to literally fall and backslide, but sometimes we fall in our hearts. Amen? How many know when we get angry or we get jealous or these different things in our lives, we can actually fall within our hearts? Are you with me? If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Colossians, and we have everything on PowerPoint as well. I came prepared for battle. Amen? And I hope you'll be ministered to, and I believe that God is going to speak to your heart. And I know God is taking us to a new level this year, but it's going to start in our hearts. We had a great time with the Connect class Thursday, Friday, and even yesterday. We had a great, great time. God moved, and I believe he's going to move here this morning. Are you with me? How many came expecting? Amen. Get ready for it. First Corinthians, I mean Colossians, excuse me, Colossians, chapter 3. And we're going to begin in verse 5. Are you with me? Okay, this is a borrowed Bible, so I go a little slower with it. You know, when you got your own Bible, you kind of, you know, it's like a good friend. But then you borrow somebody else, it's like, well, I, I, I know it, but I'm not used to it. Amen? Beginning in verse 5. Put to death, everybody say death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you here this morning. And Lord, I ask that you would just set me aside that you will open our hearts, that we can receive what you have for us this morning. And understanding, you want to bring us to new levels within our lives. We don't want to remain the same. We don't want to have a, a 2012 experience in 2013. We want to draw nigh to you, closer to you, God, and be all you've called us to be. And we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, the best fall and the best get up. See, everybody knows that we fall short of the glory. But we've all seen people fall from time to time. We've seen big, famous people in Christianity fall. Are you with me? See, when somebody made of the best caliber or somebody made of the, the good spiritual fiber fall, you can rest assured sooner or later, hopefully sooner than later, They'll get back up. But see, if we don't have spiritual fiber, and if we're not made of the best material, 
we can fall and never revive and never get back up. See, if they're not made of the best material, it could be a problem. But those that are not made of the best material don't get up. See, because they listen to the lie of the enemy and they stay down. You know what I noticed? For those of you that know Pastor Steve, how he wrote, when he write his messages, he would write, he was the original texer. And he didn't use vowels, right? And you would look at his message, it was kind of like hieroglyphics. That's kind of what mine are looking like right now. So bear with me. Amen? So i got to kind of decipher as we go. Now, they listen to the enemy and they stay down. That's why we need to be made of the best material. The Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in other words, that's why we need to come to church. That's why we should be involved in Veti. That's why we should be involved in a life group. Because when we get together and we hear the word, it begins to build our faith. And we need to have faith to be built of the good material. See, if you don't have strong faith in the Lord and you're, you're going by emotion and feeling and all these things, what happens is as soon as you get hit, bam, you fall. Are you with me? See, you got to be the best. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? See, desperately wicked in the Hebrew means incurable. It means corrupt, deprived. In other words, we can't get a better heart. Why? Because we live in the flesh. We live in the flesh. It's corrupted. So, I mean, we do what we have to do. We get in the Word, we pray. But let me tell you, our heart is still deceitful. It's still wicked. It's incurable. Now, sexual, sexual immorality, lust, and fleshly temptations have left a highway of fallen victims. And if you look and you see, every one of us here, I bet, know someone that they first came to church, they were excited, they were happy, they were serving the Lord, but something happened, and they fell along that highway. They fell along that highway. Sexual immorality, lust, and fleshly temptations. No one's exempt. See, that highway not only includes new converts, but even pastors and even leaders. Paul said we have to work out our salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Because anyone can fall prey to lust, sexual immorality, or fleshly temptation. See, many men and women of God whose heart and head were filled with even seminary training, and they went to Bible school, they went to Veti, they have fallen. They have fallen victim. See, it's not only the new converts, but leaders. They've fallen prey. I mean, look at what's happening on the, you turn on the TV now. When we do the Super Bowl, we're not going to watch the commercials. Why do you think that is? You, you don't know what they're selling. Hello. I mean, the way they eat hamburgers on TV. Give me a break. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you're bombarded, man, with this stuff, even on regular TV. You can't even, you know, come on. You don't even want to have HBO. Hello. Hello. 
That's crazy stuff. Then you got the Internet. The Internet. I mean, you got to be very, very careful with that thing. It's a temptation to many. And it happens time and time again. Why? Because the devil don't play games. Why would a seasoned minister of the gospel jeopardize his family, jeopardize his ministry, and even jeopardize his future? And a new convert, even his new life in Christ. Why would he jeopardize it? Why would he fall prey to it? The reason is because when they were eyeball to eyeball, face to face, in that struggle with temptation, they failed to run. They failed to run. Are you with me? It's pretty quiet in here. But this is building you up, believe it or not. See, sometimes in the face of temptation, you have to run. You have to flee. You got to get away from that thing. I remember one time I was on a jeepney when we first got to the Philippines. And, you know, I know I'm handsome and all that. Anyway, I was on a jeepney, and this girl started winking at me and stuff. And I'm going, hey, para. Para means stop. And I ran out of that Jeep as fast as I could. I didn't even know where I was at. I got off of that thing, and I was lost. I said, man, I got to get away from this girl. She crazy. Hello. But you got to run. You got to flee. How many know the devil knows your weakness? He's going to tempt you in your area of weakness, and you got to say, I'm out of here. Amen? It's true. You got to get away from that thing. See, the men that had fell on the highway didn't run. They fell. See, the Hebrew talks about the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, that's the one that we like. Don't act like you don't like something sinful. Hello. Let's be real. We're in church. There's a sin that you like. Shame the devil, tell the truth. And the Bible says in the Hebrew, it's a picture of a long robe that you put on, the sin that entangles you. And when you try to flee or you try to run, you get tripped up in the robe. See, the devil knows what he's going to do in your life because he watches you. He knows when you look at the Internet. All of a sudden, man, you're trying to get right, here comes a pop-up, bang. Is this on? This is Victory Outreach, right? That's what I thought. Now, we're going to look at four things that we should run or flee from. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 18, part A. Are you with me? Flee from sexual immorality. That's our point. Flee 
from sexual immorality. See, sometimes you got to run for the border. And it's not Taco Bell. You just got to run. You got to get out of town. See, in other words, we need to have borders in our life. There's got to be absolutes, absolute things that you're not going to do. I mean, if you're married, you don't even look at another woman like that. If you're single, you don't look at another woman like that because she's your sister in Christ. See, there's got to be absolutes within our lives that we are not going to cross that border. Hello. We need parameters in our life. See, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible speaks about Esau was a profane man. Profane in the Greek means easily tread upon or easily trespass. In other words, this dude didn't have borders. It was easy to get over on him. Remember the story. He, was the, he had the birthright. He, had, he sold his birthright for some frijoles. Because he was easily tricked, easily tread upon. He was a lop in, in lower terms. Right? He was. He sold his birthright for frijoles. They weren't even refried. Hello. See, he didn't have any borders in his life. He didn't value the call of God upon his life. He didn't value the anointing in his life. And he was willing to give it all up to fill his gut. It happens. It happens in the home a lot. I know I was in the home. There was one guy we had in the home, man. I, every day I knew, I knew that he had a donut in his pocket. <laughs> it got to the point, it got to the point that I wouldn't say anything. I'd just go up and squeeze his pocket. Every day, he ended up stealing the van and all the car wash money. He ended up in prison. It starts with a donut, but it gets bigger. How many know that? You got to have borders in your life, parameters. Starts with a look, and pretty soon there's a wink. Hello. Then there's a touch, and it will stop right there. See, this guy would fall for anything. The minute a pretty girl walks into church, oh, she must like me. She looked at me. Wait a minute. I saw her wink. Oh, no, that was a blink. No, no, she looked. She looked. And all of a sudden, her heart goes there instead of to God. Hello, are you with me? Time to pick up the tithe and offering. All they want is my money. Double tithe? Oh. No borders. No boundaries. Man, give, you give. When I heard the challenge of the double tithe, I told Pastor, hey, I'm going to stop tithing in Manila now. I want to tithe here. I want to double tithe here. Hello. We've been here a year. It's time to change. This is my church now. So don't mess with my church. I'm just kidding. But you better not. <laughs> no borders. Well, marijuana is almost legal. Man, you know you can smell it everywhere now. 
Have you noticed that? It's like I smell it all the time. I go, man, that's either a skunk or some good weed. All the time. I mean, it's so potent now. It goes right through the car with the windows up. You smell it. Crazy. But my eyes are a little blurky. Glasses. Jeez. Don't make excuses to get some marijuana. Hello. Oh, I'm going to move to Oregon. <laughs> Is that where they legalize it, right? Colorado, hey, I'm going to go to Pastor Albert's church. <laughs> They're having fun over there. Let me tell you, this is not a man thing. It's also a woman thing. Hello. Pastor Steve had a saying, many of you know it. As for me and my blouse, we will serve the Lord. It's a woman thing, too. See, sometimes you just got to make a run for the border. See, we need to have borders in our lives so we're not easily tread upon. See, the worst reputation a lady can have is well, that she's easy, brother. Hello. Are you with me? See, Paul is telling us to be on guard about sexual immorality. And if it comes your way, get away from it. Don't play with it. Don't touch it. Don't see it. Don't even taste it or smell it. Nothing. Get away from it. Ephesians 5.3 says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. A hint is made in the, in the Greek. It has the idea of rendering ineffective and living in denial. Just a hint. Just a hint. It'll make you ineffective. You won't be able to do any ministry. You won't be able to have a successful marriage. You won't be able to have a successful family life. You won't have a successful job. Why? Because there's a hint. And you'll live your life in denial and not denial river. Verse 4 says, not even a dirty joke. The Greek calls it shamefulness and obscenity. See, don't let people speak obscenity into your life. See, dirty jokes at work or school or even stuff on the TV when they're cussing, man. Don't watch that stuff because it defiles you. It corrupts your spirit. That's a hint. Hello. It will make you ineffective. See, there should not be a hint, the Bible says, because it will render your testimony ineffective. If you're at work and people know you're a Christian, you're laughing at green jokes, dirty jokes. That takes your testimony right out of the park. Oh, I guess the Christians are dirty. I guess Christ is okay with that. No testimony. It's getting real quiet in here. Bing. I just heard a pin drop. Are you guys with me? See, when Joseph was confronted by Potiphar's wife, you know, you all know the story. He was kind of like me, a handsome guy, like your pastor, handsome guy, you know, young. I was a little older. Hallelujah. But it's in the genes. You know, he was faithful to God. You know, his thing was, I will not sin against my Lord. That was his thing, and that should be our thing as well. So here he was, and Potiphar's wife was probably good looking too, you know, and She's laying there on the bed, 
looking at, at Joseph. And Joseph's saying, what's wrong with this lady, man? He goes, come here. I have something for you. And Joseph said, I ain't going to go there. I'm out of here. But she reached out and grabbed his cloak and made a big lie about it. But see, he did what he had to do. He ran. He got out of Dodge. He said, I ain't having nothing to do with this. That's what we got to do. We got to run for the border. We got to flee from sexual immorality. See, he ran. See, the devil don't play. He knows how to drop people and trap people. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He knows what he's doing. So don't fool around. Because the devil don't fool around, but he's looking for fools. Especially people with virgin ears and eyes. See, the devil knows that he can get you, if he can get you to look, your mind will do the rest. One picture on the internet, wow. You're going to look at another one. And then another one. And then another one. It doesn't stop with one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're an ex-drug addict, you know. Once you like one, you don't stop. 16, 30 years later, you're still doing it. It drags you down on that highway we were talking about. See, I'm talking about born-again Christians here who make those heart, they haven't taken a bite maybe, so to speak, but just one picture can do it, and you're on the highway of the fallen. See, parents, you'll, you'll, you'll tell us, you know what, I don't let strangers in my house. We'd all say that, right? But what about the Internet? Do you watch what your kids are watching? Do you check it out? Are you on it? Do you put parental controls on there? Even the television, man. You got to block some of those channels. They're crazy. Man, you go to hotels, don't even turn on the TV. You never know what you're going to get. As soon as that door is open, it's hard to close. That's what I'm trying to say. See, Satan can only tempt you, but once you bite that bait, you're done. You're done. You're trapped. So what started as an innocent, naive look can make you lose everything that's near and dear. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things, the Bible says. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 10.14. Therefore, my beloved, free... Flee from idolatry. Our second point. Let's read 10. Actually, let's read 10 through 11 through 14. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 14. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the age has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Verse 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. See, the problem is we think we can handle it. Because in the past, we had a lot of baggage when we came to Christ. We did a lot of stuff, right? A lot of things, bad things, some of us. And we think we can handle it as a Christian. But see, you're a new creation now. You're different now. And, and the devil's going to try to tempt you. But you have to understand, God will always make a way of escape, a way for you to flee. Are you with me? See, 1 Corinthians 10 gives us Old Testament examples to learn from. See, they were written for our admonition. I have a hard time with that word. Admonition. Admonition? What it really means in the Greek is mild rebuke or warning. So what it is, it's in, in the Greek, it's a call to attention. In other words, pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening around you. Pay attention to what's going on in your family. Pay attention to what's going on in the church. Pay attention. Don't allow the enemy to sneak in and do what he's trying to do within your life. Listen, we can't change the rules of Christianity. We cannot change the rules of God's word. Why is the word flee used? It's to warn us that we're not that strong. We're not all that in a bag of chips. We're not who we think we are. See, flee means that there's something dangerous lurking. That's stronger than you and I. Remember the heart is wicked. It's incurable. It's corrupt, deprived. So where do you flee? Where do you run to? Right here. You drop to your knees. But sometimes that's the farthest place to go from here to the ground. But we've got to learn to get on our knees and get in the word. That's where you're going to find your protection, your strength, your anointing. You're not going to find it in anything else. So when temptation seizes and tries to get you, you drop to your knees. You get into God's word, and you allow God to minister to you and give you that strength, that courage, that anointing you need to go beyond it. See, God bless you. <laughs> All one of you have right there. See, in Paul's day, it was like today. People thought they could handle idolatry because it was prevalent. It was everywhere. They even had idols to unknown gods. They had gods everywhere, idols everywhere. But what we need to understand is anything that takes the place of God is an idol. Are you with me? See, the main idol that's just, that Satan uses for us is self. Self. We get back on the throne. We kick him off. Say, Jesus, get off the throne. I'm back. Here I am. I want to do my thing. I want to change the rules. That's right. Me, myself, and I have the right to do what I want. No, you got the right to remain silent. Anything you say and can't. Hello. Listen to God. But we get back on the throne. You know, it happens through fame. Look what happened to Whitney Houston. She started in the church. She started singing gospel. She started praising the Lord. That's how she got a voice. And all of a sudden, the devil tricked her. Bam! Turned her around. Look what happened to her. She died a horrible overdose. Crackhead. 
That's not what God had for her. God had great things for her, just like he has for you. Sometimes it can become our job. We forget that God gives us a job to serve him, and all of a sudden we got this job and we kind of forget about God. We start working on Sundays. Well, they want me to work overtime. You know what? When you get that job, you tell them, I am a Christian. I want this day off, and I want this day off because I'm going to be in church. And if they don't give you the job, it's not of God. God will never take you out of his will. I remember when I got out of the home, I had to earn money for my plane ticket and my passport and all that stuff, even though nobody knew I was going to the Philippines. I knew. So I went, and I went and got this job. I said, you know what, here's, here's when I can work. I gave them a schedule. And, I mean, I had a lot of ministry going. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And they said, okay. <laughs> because if it wasn't okay, then it's not okay. I'm leaving. I'll find somebody else to work for. It doesn't matter to me. I even told them, if you like my work, you pay me. If you don't, I'll move on. Because that's how confident I was in God. Are you with me? Some people take hobbies, man. How many people are going to be in church next week? <laughs> I'm going to be here too. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who aren't going to be. You know, the church is kind of empty in the playoffs. We need to fill it up next week. We're going to watch it here anyway. Why not be with family? Soul Sunday, Super Soul, hallelujah. Do you know our family can even be an idol? You know, when we get saved, sometimes our family do not understand. Why are you there so much? How come you're not here with us? How come you give them all your money? How come you want to do this? And how come you want to go late night to Twilight Treasures and all that kind of stuff? What's wrong with you? It's dangerous out there. Shouldn't go out there. They don't understand. Let me tell you, if you take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. Amen? I remember some people in my family thought I was getting brainwashed when I went in the home. I said, good. I needed my brainwashed. But see, that's why we have to flee from idolatry. Come to church. Prove to God that you really love him. Show him. I love you, God. Not just coming to church, but going to life group, getting on your knees in the morning, at night, getting a hold of God during the week. Show him you love him. Church is a big part of that. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. It's important because we're in this together. We are a family. When you're going through something, we can help you. We've been through it. You're not alone. Together, we got a lot of years of trials and tribulation. Amen. We're here together. Let's go to 1 Timothy. Are you with me? Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6. See, now I can have the water there. When I first came, I couldn't bend down. Remember that? I couldn't bend down. But I lost weight. 
My wife goes, hey, you can tuck in your shirt now. I go, yeah. Praise the Lord. I can button my coat too. God is good. First Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into the ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people get eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this. But you, woman of God, flee from all this. You, people of God, flee from all this. Number three, flee from materialism. Let me tell you something. Where it says they pierce themselves with many griefs, in the Greek it means causing themselves piercing pain. Think about that for a second. Piercing pain. Let me tell you, it's easier to be poor than to be rich. I'm not saying you're going to be poor, but I'm just saying, people that are rich, they have a lot of stress on their lives. See, we think when we get rich, we can pay all our bills. You know what? You get more bills. Bills don't go away. They just get bigger. The more you have, the more hard you got to work. The more you have, the more careful you got to be because people want to take that money. And money has a, money speaks, right? Money talks, it says bye-bye. I don't care how much you got, it says bye-bye. It does. Do you know that money divides people? Why do you think they have castes in different countries? The rich, the poor, the medium. I mean, it, it divides people. If somebody rich comes in here, you're going to look at him differently than you look at everybody else. It divides people. Are you with me? See, we start coveting our neighbor's stuff. We put more priority in credit cards than we do the offering basket. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let me tell you something about your bank statement. It's a theological document. Think about it. It shows what you prioritize in your life. Where's your heart? At Macy's, Sears? Huh? Or is it in the kingdom of God? It's a theological document. It shows where your heart is. Boy, I got quiet. Praise the Lord for that. But guess what? We have an opportunity to double tithe. We're going to show God where our heart is. It's going to be with him. Because where your treasure is, that's where it's at. Come on now. See, materialism can destroy our character. Because people that have a, a hunger for money, they never get satisfied. And they begin to do things that aren't right in order to gain more money. They step on people. They lie a little bit. They cheat on their taxes just a little bit. 
You know what else? It'll destroy our calling. It'll destroy our calling. See, money can't have us. We can have money, but don't let it have you. Amen. God wants to prosper you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying money's evil. It's not. It's the love of money. God wants to bless your life. He wants to give you new cars, new houses, uh, your own business. He wants to pour out blessing that you can't even contain. Why? Because the money doesn't have you. You have the money. You can use it to further the gospel around the world. How do you think we're going to take the world for Jesus? By God blessing his people and his people blessing back. That's the way we're going to do it. The living water is free, but the pipes cost money. I stole that from Philip. Amen. That's why Paul tells Timothy, flee. Run from materialism. See, verse 9 says, those, desire plunge, those desires plunge men into ruin. Now, ruin in the Greek is apolia, and it means ruin or loss of your spiritual life. That's what it means. It also means your physical life. It also means your eternal life. See, here's what happens. You have to understand, people that have a lot of money have a lot of stress. And stress will give you heart failure. It will give you kidney problems. It will wear you down. You'll, get all, you'll, get, you'll die because of stress. People are always wondering, oh, they're trying to figure out how do we live stress-free. Oh, all righty then. And they try to do meditation. No, meditate on the Word of God. Ace Ventura is not going to relieve your stress. Buddha is not going to relieve your stress. The Word of God. Don't get caught up in materialism. It will tear you down, and you may even lose your eternal life. We're almost done. Last point. Stop, stop. No. <laughs> Second Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires of youth. Number four, flee evil desires. Flee evil desires. Go to Second Timothy with me. Well, let's read verse 26 first. Oh, no, 2 Timothy 2, 26. It's on the screen as well. And they, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now jump over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Doesn't that sound like the times we live in? We are here now. See, in Colossians, we talked about what happens with evil desires, and that is the wrath of God. Amen? Now, there's more evil desires besides sexual temptation. There's bitterness. There's rage, anger, malice, 
fault-finding, backbiting, jealousies. These are all dangerous. See, we started out right, but all of a sudden, they crept in. They get into our hearts and choke out the life in us, the good that's in us. If we don't run and flee from this stuff, it can turn good desires into evil desires. Are you with me? Even in ministry, good desires can turn evil due to jealousy. Okay? And also immature competition. Now, competition is good. It keeps us on the edge. But it can be and can get immature. Are you guys with me? It's very important we understand about jealousy and immaturity in the house of God. See, when you try to correct somebody that's immature, they can't handle it. They can't handle it. And it begins to, the good desires turn to evil desires. And it corrupts them. And they spread poison. Different things can happen. Remember, I spoke about getting deep with God before. And we talked about the ankle deep water and the knee deep water and the hip deep and the chest deep and overflowing. See, it's the ones that just get in the shallow end. They stay immature. And they muddy up the water. So we have to move on to maturity. See, pretty soon, it's not pretty no more. Pretty soon, it has turned to ugly soon. And soon, no one can even recognize anyone or recognize you anymore. And not even your own family can recognize you because of the way you're acting. Hello. And pretty soon, you turn into ugly soon. You're Chinese. This is Pastor Steve. <laughs> you're not Bruce Lee. You're ugly. <laughs> you're his brother. Amen. No one can recognize you anymore because all of a sudden you snap. And all the good desires, all the good things you had in your heart, all the good things you wanted to do becomes evil. I know it's quiet. Your family can't recognize you, and you can't even recognize your family. You can't even spot the people that really love you. It happens because of jealousy and immaturity. See, people get saved and they desire great things, right? Oh, man, I feel good. I'm in love with Jesus. Oh, this is great. But then somebody speaks into your life and all of a sudden. You don't love me. These good desires become evil desires out of jealousy, immaturity. You even get mad when people get blessed. How come they got a new car? How come they got a good job? Because they're a blessing, that's why. Hello. You get upset when other people raise up. Leaders are getting raised up around you. You get jealous. You say, ah, why, how come they're getting raised up and not me? Well, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not letting people speak into your life. You want to correct everybody, but you won't take correction. How come he gets it? How come she gets it? 
because we have jealous eyes. And we, we don't no longer focus on Christ, our measuring stick, but we're looking at other people in the church. My pastor likes them better. Sister Chella don't talk to me. Go up to her and talk to her. She can't read your mind. Pastor can't read your mind. He wants to talk to everybody. I've never seen him turn anybody away. Even sometimes I wish he would. Just kidding. Because some people you just want to. I'm just kidding. That would be ugly. See, you can't even spot your own family because that, those that, that love you are trying to point things out in your life to help you, and you can't spot it. And you think they're out to get you, they're out to hurt you, they're out to backbite or talk about you or gossip. It's not that at all. It's because they love you, man. They want to speak into your life. How many know we need to change? We need people in our lives that are going to correct us. We need people in our lives that are going to show us, hey, man, you, watch out. There's a cliff. Don't fall off the cliff. We need that in our lives. I don't care how long we serve the Lord. I'll be 21 years on the second, right before Super Bowl, Super Soul. 21 years. Married, too. That's my anniversary. See, I'm smart. I got married the same day I got saved, so I wouldn't forget For those of you that are not married, that's the day to do it. <laughs> Amen? But you can't spot your family because you don't want correction. You don't want correction. You blow them off, and you destroy the relationships of those that are close to you, near to you. Listen, you have to listen to the ones that love you. The problem is sometimes, man, we want yes men and yes women around us. Well, I'm not that bad. Yeah, you're not that bad. No, you're okay. No. We need people that are going to tell us the truth within our lives. If you love someone, you tell them the truth. You don't tell them what they want to hear. You tell them the truth. And prayfully, they're mature enough to get it. See, the ones that love you always tell you the truth. They stab you in the front. Not the back. They stab you in the front. Because why? They speak the truth in love. Let me tell you something. That's accountability. That's what accountability is. Is having people in your life, man, that you're accountable to. That people that can speak into your life, tell you the truth, stick you in the front. Okay, I need to change in that area. Help me do it. But let me tell you, the ones that love you, man, it hurts them more than it hurts you to tell you the truth. It really does. It's not easy to correct someone you love. But we have to do it because we love them. If we don't love you, we'll let you go to hell. It's okay. Go. But that's not true. We love you in this church. We love you in this ministry. Are you with me? They tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Those are real friends. In a multitude of counselors, there's because the devil lies to us. 
We need people into our lives. I know I'm going long, sorry. But you got to hear this. We need counselors to be accountable to. Because that's our lifeline. Did you know that? Accountability is our lifeline. Free evil desires. Run from those things. We need people to tell us the truth. Go to James. We're almost done. Chapter 4. Begin in verse 7. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Submit to God. Now, I looked it up in, in, in the Greek, and it means to obey reflexively. In other words, it becomes a reflex. You know, like if somebody throws a punch, you go like that, you block it, right? You just throw up your hand, you block it. That's what you do. You don't let nobody hit you. Or you drop something, you grab it before it hits the ground. Well, I'm not quick, okay? Maybe you're not. I still got my reflexes. There are certain things you do reflexively. Now, let me tell you, you got to be able to obey God reflexively. Because when stuff pops up, you don't have to think about it. It's a reflex. I'm going to obey God. Now, how do we resist the devil? Develop good relationships, great relationships. Come near to God. Same word. Reflexively in approach. In other words, you know, right, it's just a reflex, man. When something's happening in your life, you're tempted, you go through stuff. Bam, I'm going to God. It becomes a reflex in your life. You don't have to think about it. You just, wow, I'm going to God. I'm going to God. I'm going to get intimate with God. It becomes reflexive. That's the way it should be. Are you with me? Also, we need to build strong relationships with our wives or our husbands, our church family, our pastors, our leaders. Build strong hedges of protection. But you only do that by cultivating relationships. That's why the life groups are so important. You can see me after, and I'll make sure you come to ours. Or whoever, it doesn't matter. Go. Get as many people you can get to be accountable to. You should have a lot of stabs in the front. You should be walking, man, with knives sticking all up in your front. I'm not, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not, not really. Figuratively. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying, right? See, we're not backstabbers in this church. We're front stabbers. Why? Because we love you. You got to flee. You got to flee as AJ comes. Flee sexual immorality. Flee from idolatry. Flee from material. Flee from evil desires. You know, you ever seen people that flee, that don't flee, I mean? And they fall for it. You ever see the results of their life? We had a guy in Manila in our home. Played around with sin, man. Kept playing and playing and playing. He didn't flee from his stuff. I got a call from one of his uh, sisters. They found him in a field. Cut to pieces. Literally. Body parts. Because he didn't flee. Solomon, 
didn't flee. God had a great calling on his life. Didn't flee. King David, who had fallen with Bathsheba when he was supposed to be out warring and fighting, he fell. Psalms 51, my sin is ever before me. My bones have been crushed because he didn't flee. See, David was going through terrible times. Some of you here are going through difficult times. Now, you could say, well, no, not really. I'm okay. Really? Really? Maybe you're trying to hide it. You're not being honest. Let me tell you something this morning. God is here to help you. He wants to help you through your time your trials, your difficulties. David says, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Wash my sins as hyssop, so I will be white as snow. Then David said this. I love this. And remember, he was a man after God's own heart. But he still fell. He still fell. Here's what he said. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Even though he had fallen, the Holy Spirit was still with him. No matter what you do, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. His Holy Spirit is with you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. The best fall the best get up. Heavenly Father, we come to you here this morning. And we know, Lord God, that we fail you in many ways. But we also know this, that every example we see is your unfailing love. And though we make mistakes, though we fall in our hearts, you are with us. As your spirit begins to move in ministry, in the hearts of your people, create in us a clean heart, a clean heart. Wash away our sins, God. If you're here this morning as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and you're going through some stuff, you know, maybe you're angry with someone, you have bitterness in your heart, unforgiveness in your heart. But you want to be clean. I want to challenge you. Trust God. Trust God. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, this sermon minister to you, I want you to lift up your hand real quick, quickly now, lift up your hand. God bless you. God bless you all. God, you may put your hands on anybody else. You say, this is for me. This is for me. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Any, God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? You say, yeah, I've, I've been through some stuff. But I'm going to trust God now. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you. God bless you. Let's all stand. I'm going to open this altar. Now, we're going to trust God here this morning. Because I believe God wants to do something in the innermost, innermost parts of our heart. He's going to do surgery here. As we do this song, the altar's open.